Hi everyone, I'm delighted to be back on air for an amazing interview from the underworld. As you know, I have this incredible gift to be able to talk to the dead. This week is the climax of our series of interviews of the leaders who made VE Day as we have the privilege to interview President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the four-time President of the United States of America, one of the most important figures of the 21st century. Mr. President, we first thank you for accepting this interview. It's such a privilege, particularly to celebrate the anniversary of VE Day as you lead us to victory. No, I'm sorry, but that is not accurate. Jesus said, render Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Remember that I studied law and I cannot let you say that I have led the army to victory, as I was always mindful never to micromanage or interfere in unknown subjects. I'm not a soldier, so I trusted my top military officers to take the decisions. I was clear that no civilians, not even secretaries of war or navy, had to have any interference with the strategy. This is certainly one of the reasons we won the war. I believe it is a shame that is, this rule is no longer respected, and this explains a lot of the tragedies that have unfortunately happened since. Young people, please accept this rule of behaviour. Do not meddle with the experts. Did your son or relative of yours participate to the first wave of D-Day? I could see in the film The Longest Day, a General Roosevelt on Omaha Beach ex- directing extremely calmly the young and frightened soldiers under a rainfall of German gunfire. That was not my son, but my distant cousin, Ted Junior Roosevelt, the son of President Ted Roosevelt. He was known as the most gallant and the finest gentleman of the American army. At the age of 56 years old, he volunteered to be on the landing boats in order to give the young troops reassurance and to arm them with his own fortitude and courage. I was myself most impressed. On the first boat's landing on the hellish Omaha beach was Teddy's own son, Quentin, who also survived the landing. Sadly, Ted died five weeks later from a heart attack, surrounded by men who would have given their lives for him. My son James entered in active duty in 1940 and served in Asia Pacific. He was in the Marine Raiders at Midway and in the Mannequin Island. He was awarded a Navy Cross and the Silver Star. As a father, I was most proud. It was a time when privileges meant responsibilities. This time has unfortunately for you young people disappeared. I have always wondered why you took so long to declare war. The two countries to declare war in Germany were France and England. After rapid collapse of France, England had to fight alone. How could you have stayed so long neutral when you knew what was going on in Europe with the Nazis? You know that the United States of America rejected the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, as it was just wrong, and the history and the World War II has proven us right. But my country, despite my own feelings, has become strongly isolationist and neutralist acts were voted. My hands were tied. And remember, I was too preoccupied by the terrible economic crisis in my country. I have publicly expressed my regret for not supporting the Spanish Republicans and China after the shocking crystal night in Germany and the American people opinion began to turn against Germany. And I was then able to increase our war production capacities in September 1939 when Britain and France declared war to Germany. I tried to help. The very popular aviator Charles Lindenberg, who was an isolationist leader, succeeded to mobilise the Congress against my proposition to repeal the Neutralist Act. Once again, my hands were tied, but at least I was able to win Congress's approval for the sale of arms on a cash-and-carry basis. I started then a close personal relationship with Winston Churchill, 
we have exchanged more than 17,000 letters and telegrams. In September 1940, after the shock of the fall of France, I openly challenged neutralist acts by giving 50 World War I American destroyers to Britain in exchange of military base rights in British Caribbean islands. By late 1940, rearmament was in high gear partly for, for the American army and partly to become the arsenal of democracy with a lend lease program which would ask for no repayment after the war for Britain, China and later the Soviet Union. This massive support is too often ignored. For my support I was harshly attacked as a warmonger. Churchill did press press me for declaring war to Germany but I suspected that the Congress would refuse which would have been a terrible blow as a German submarine fired on one of our destroyers. The gear which caused a public outrage in the public opinion in America, I was able to order a shoot-on-sight policy, which was basically declaring naval war on Germany. End of 1941, it was after the tragedy of Pearl Harbor with the surprise attack of the Japanese on the 7th of December 1941 that there was a unanimous vote of the Congress to declare war. I signed and declared... I signed a declaration of war against Japan on December 8th and against Germany on December 11th, 1941. I then agreed with Winston Churchill to prioritise the defeat of Germany before Japan. We also agreed to coordinate the allocation of supplies and establish a centralised command. You know the rest of the story, but please, before arguing, and it took time... took time for us to declare war. You need to remember that the United States were confronted to a dramatic economic crisis that it already came to rescue of Britain and France in this incomprehensible World War I. So it is quite understandable that the United States, a country of immigrants from all over the world and from every country in Europe, were reluctant at first to go back one more time to war. But from the start, America has supported Britain. It is a fact. Thank you for straightening the record, and this is, that is why we, to learn about history is so important. There was a subject where the relationships between America and Britain had not been easy. I'm referring to the Manhattan Project, which created the nuclear bomb. In August 1939, I received a letter from Albert Einstein and Leo Suslard worrying about the German project to develop nuclear weapons. I then authorised preliminary research. We decided with Winston Churchill to exchange nuclear information but we did not initially combine our efforts we tried to buy the scientific lead of the british to be perfectly honest i believe that winston churchill was very much dedicated to this project much more than myself britain was fighting for its survival and did not have the resources to carry through it was even said among the top scientists in the manhattan project that winston churchill was the real father of the nuclear bomb and he continually convinced me of its strategic importance But after the initial phase, the American scientists did not need outside help. The British scientists helped in some areas of the project. We were all extremely worried about the Nazis when they were close to develop the atomic bomb. We finally succeeded, and by making two bombs explode in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, we saved countless of American lives. But still, I'm personally relieved not to have given the orders of the bombing. I was... Um, It was the President Truman, my Vice President, as I died in April 1945. My last question to you, Mr President, is 
a recurring question that I asked all the great leaders in order to inspire us all. So, Mr President, what would you like to say to transmit to our generation? What lessons should we keep in mind? Well, I always have been very fortunate. I was born in a wealthy and powerful family with all the privileges. I now know, I, I know that I'm, shook, I'm shocking you profoundly, but I also, I'm also fortunate to succumb to a paralytic illness because I truly believe that having to deal with my illness made me a better leader. So young people, if I have only one advice to give from, from the underworld, it is that you, you have to embrace your problems, your failures, as they're going to shape you even more importantly than your successes. It is how you overcome your handicaps, your mistakes, your failures that really matters. Thank you, Mr. President. We are, of course, frustrated by the lack of time, as we have so many more questions to ask you. Sadly, we have now lost our connection. Next week, we will be receiving Chairman Mao Zedong. Stay tuned, stay safe, and see you next week.